welcome back to Whiteout Weekly as we are in the greatest, the greatest time to be a football fan. Bowl season is in full swing as we record this on a Wednesday night. We got Louisville, USC coming up, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, and then after that, it's just five college football games on all day. Love it. And we get in week 17 of the NFL. The playoff picture starts becoming more clear. It's it's the best time to be a football fan. Would you agree? Quote the great Andy Williams. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Of the year. <laughs> and not only that, not only do we have all these amazing games going on, but we got our Penn State Nittany Lions playing in another New Year's Six Bowl. Trying to get the Thanos gauntlet of New Year's Six Bowls. One last one to go. The Peach Bowl. But before we get into that, I'm Matt Martellucci. Joined by my esteemed co-host out of Texas, Dave Barron. I'm currently in Florida. Both now representing Pennsylvania right now. But you're goddamn right we will be. When we face Ole Miss in the Cotton Bowl. But before we get into any of that, or the Peach Bowl, excuse me, I get those. I don't know why I get the Peach and Cotton Bowl mixed up so much. <laughs> Makes no sense. Before we get into all that, though, there's a lot of housekeeping notes that we got to go over. Dave, I think the biggest one that kind of stuck with me for a few days was the Mandy Diaz becoming the new head coach of Duke University. I think all year I've been I've been this man up as a god amongst defensive coordinators and to see him just kind of take turn tail and leave is was a blow at my ego to say the least. Yeah, it's been the talk. I know he was his while his term here was short, even after year one, it was the talk of the town. Hey, how long are we going to be able to keep Manny? Don't take this for granted. Never know how long he's going to be here. Everyone kind of knew he wanted to be a head coach once again. I mean, he, he has that caliber of yeah, not great success at Miami, but he you could definitely tell that he wanted to get get back there, get back to that rank, and give it another go. And after this year's success. You knew they were going to come knocking. Uh, Didn't quite think that Duke would be the one that pulled him away. Would think actually with the success that he was able to show here at Penn State that maybe a a bigger program will come knocking. But he's familiar with the ACC. He's recruited, Mm -hmm. like I mentioned, at Miami and even his time here at Penn State in that Southeast. So I think it's a good fit. He's making a lot of noise early. They just signed uh, Malik Murphy, the yep. transfer portal QB from Texas. So uh, he's wish him all the best. It's I think this one, Brent Pry was tough to let go, but I think this one's yeah. for how long Pry was with us. And I know Manny was only here for two years, but this is uh, this is a harder one for me. And I know for a lot of us to, to see him go, given the success mm-hmm. that he was able to have here in uh, State College. I mean, yeah, just pure numbers were one through five defensively mm-hmm. every st- statistic that matters but yeah his presser 
like the opening presser at Duke where they were like, so talk about your philosophy, like your defensive scheme. He's like, I basically build my defense around my player strengths. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's why I love you, dude. Because yeah. as an Eagles fan, I had to watch Jim Schwartz put Jalen Mills one-on-one coverage on Julio Jones for like two years straight. He's like, oh, that's just my philosophy. It's what I do. It's like you gotta adapt to your player's strengths. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what a head that's what a defensive coordinator head coach does. Schwartz mm-hmm. was the opposite of that. And then seeing Manny Diaz be like, hey, this guy's a little better in this position. Maybe we should make him a buck linebacker instead of a pure safety. It was like this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Mm-hmm. So someone who knows the players, who gets them, knows where they excel. And puts him in that position. So yeah, seeing him go was definitely tough. But we kind of contrasted that with the hiring of Tom Allen. We talked about a lot as the former, now former, Indiana head coach. Now becomes the PSU defense or offense coordinator. Excuse me. Um, and I'm pumped because... Wait, is he he's offensive coordinator, right? Defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got uh Kotal Nicky at OC. Yeah, yeah, Kotal Nicky at OC. So he's gonna come in similar to the way Manny Diaz came in for the bowl game. Um Anthony Poindexter and Rob Smith are gonna call the plays while he kind of familiar familiarizes himself with the operation going on down there. Um and just a couple things on Tom Allen. Indiana never, never, since we started the podcast, was an offensive like threat. Never really. Jalen Lucas was like a gadget player, but like no one really upset me on their offense. Their defense, however, they had some linebackers, some defensive linemen who could wreck games and mm-hmm. almost under Penn State a couple times. So. I'm pumped to see what he's going to do with this defense, especially with a lot of underclassmen coming in to step into huge roles. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this hiring. Yeah, I think Franklin wanted to go the same route that he went with Manny, where you have a former head coach that you're bringing in to be able to kind of downsize what their role is and really – focus in on what they're truly good at. And Tom Allen, what he's truly good at is defense. The numbers didn't quite show it the last couple of years at Indiana. I think overall it was just kind of a sheer lack of talent. It's hard to recruit really well in Bloomington. Uh, yeah. Even this year in the, in the portal, they had a tough time or they always have a tough time keeping guys there on campus. So I think in regards to what Franklin was looking for, I think he nailed it. Um, again, the only worrisome part is just kind of that track record over the last couple of years. But if you go back and remember, he started at Indiana as the DC and really revamped that defensive unit in Indiana. And then his previous stops as well as a linebackers and defensive coordinator has really shown the ability to, to again, rebuild and revamp uh, a program's defense. And that's not necessarily the case here where he's going to be taking over the number one overall ranked defense in the FBS, but I think being able to kind of take away the, all the things that go into being a head coach, especially at a power five program and truly allowing him to just concentrate and focused on the defensive side of the ball 
And I think what he, what he was able to show uh, to be able to do and get done at Indiana during those glory years, especially the COVID year, Mm -hmm. it was actually funny during his opening presser. uh, As many would imagine, they asked him if Michael Penix was in, he said that he was, so that's not a great way to win over your new fan base, but uh, no, I, 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 I disagree. I like that. He sticks by his gun. He sticks by his players, sticks by his guns. Yeah, okay. stuck by his guns. You're, you're but, a new school. Uh, that was my player at the time. He scored, even though he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, very true. Uh, but I think given the market and, and what was out there, I think this was the the best hire. You could have made a case for promoting within with Poindexter. But I think yeah. it seems to be that they'll be able to, to retain him and to bring mm-hmm. in a guy like Tom Allen, who, again, has that Power 5 head coaching experience can't really uh take that for granted so i think uh really interested to see uh what he's able to do here um i think he's got the track record to prove that he should have success and again similar to last year with bringing the coordinators in prior to the bowl game allowing to have them around the players leading up during bowl prep to this bowl game i think uh will will pay huge dividends as well and they can get rolling into uh winter workouts yeah just getting the familiarization with you know, some of the younger players. Mm-hmm. And speaking of players, I believe you can correct me if I'm, I think there's only Chop Robinson's the only official player that has opted out. He's like publicly said, I'm, I'm not playing in the uh, Peach Bowl. On the Penn State side, correct. Yeah. yeah. Due to, due He's to preserving the, that first on round. The Penn State side, yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we got Olu, who is going to be a top 10 pick mm-hmm. but he hasn't outright said that he's not playing right no kind of his letter or declaration letter that all the guys leave on twitter was that he was going to be in atlanta with his team didn't really get into specifics beyond that but all the reports and uh, analysis this week has been that he's been involved in practice and actually taking first team reps Good. Uh, which okay. is interesting, especially when you look at a guy who, like you said, is going to be a likely top 10 pick. You don't usually see that if a guy's not going to be playing. Yeah. So don't know when they'll make this announcement. Uh, could be game time, and we'll see if Olu's ready to play, but would love to see him in that blue and white one last time. So, and Drew Shelton obviously would be the replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm totally fine. Drew Shelton's mm-hmm. a beast. Um, other players, we got Theo Johnson. He's going to play in the Peach Bowl as well as Caden Wallace, Daquan Hardy, and Curtis Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Um, other players that might be suiting up in the blue and white for the last time due to the NFL draft include Kalen King, who is probably going to be a late first round, second round pick as a cornerback, and Johnny Dixon, who I think as the draft process goes on and as people watch more of his tape, I think his Johnny Dixon's draft stock is going to rise tremendously. Because mm-hmm. not only is... I, I looked at his numbers already. Not only is he phenomenal in pass coverage, he's so good against the run and diagnosing plays that like sleep left. He's so good at it that there's got to be a team that's watching his tape. Like, dude, if this guy announces he's coming to the NFL, we're all over it. 
Yeah, when you look at the last couple of years, who I know Penn State's brought in a, between recruits and the transfer portal. Dixon was a guy they brought in a couple of years ago from South Carolina, who yeah. I think of that that class and of the guys they brought in has truly ramped up his draft stock the most out of, I think, any guy that we've seen. Ah, I Chop, Chop Robinson. Chop for sure. Chop's definitely up there. Yeah. He, uh, but he, I think he just given – go top 10. Like, uh, he's, he's at control. Very true. Yeah. You, you could have a, you know, three guys, three, maybe four guys going in the first two rounds here, which would be, which would be something. But I think, uh, yeah, that's what I, I think all those factors play into whether or not we see Dixon uh, in this game. I think Kalen mm-hmm. King reports are that he's been getting some reps, not necessarily been the, the cornerback one that we're used to all season, uh, but he's been in there at practice, but reports are that Dixon has not been seen on the practice field uh, uh, at this point. So wondering if all that, uh, you know, if he's just going to play it safe and uh, take his talents to the NFL and make sure that he preserves that draft stock. But um, would love to see those guys again at least one more time. Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, Dixon's, I mean, this is kind of a hot take, but Dixon's kind of done more for his draft stock this year than Cannon King has. Mm-hmm. Even though Cannon King, he had the situation where, like, they don't throw it to his side of the field. When they did, he yeah. sort of, you know, wasn't up to the CB1 standard that we're used to on that side. So I think it would be definitely beneficial for Cannon to to play in this game and, like, shut somebody down, maybe grab a pick, mm-hmm. show that it's still that guy. On the old Miss side, dude, I'm not seeing anybody opting out besides their uh, buck linebacker. Uh, defensive end linebacker hybrid Cedric Johnson, who is their active leader in sacks this season with 19. And he was going to be my old miss impact player, but got that out. So no longer. But is that it? Yeah. Uh, that, that seems to be it. Player? I mean, uh, lucky for us, because lucky for us, none of those new acquisitions to Ole Miss will be able to play in this game as they've been absolutely tearing up the transfer portal. So good news for Penn State is that none of those guys are are eligible for this matchup. But yeah, Cedric Johnson seems to be the only guy that has opted out for uh, for Ole Miss. What do you think Lynn Kiffin's doing on these transfer portal calls? (laughs) He's got to be doing something shady, man. It's funny because he came out and said basically how much of a broken system it is and that it's ridiculous that they open up the portal while the season's still going on. But here's a guy who's reaping so he's, <laughs> most of yeah, the awards. He's, he's, admitting that awards. It, he's, he's like, I'm doing something cheap. You're just yeah. you're not catching on to it yet. All right, we're catching on to you, Lane. I'm going yeah. to investigate when the season's over. You can't hide <laughs> from us. <laughs> uh. So special part of this bowl, of all bowl games, really, is the guys that go off to the NFL who, you know, we root, even if they play for the Dallas Cowboys and are mm-hmm. one of the best defensive players in the league, like Michael Parsons, we still root for them because of that Penn State blood. But it also gives an opportunity for some underclassmen to see some more snaps than they're used to during the regular season. I have a couple of names. Uh, Drew Shelton being one of them, if uh, Olu is not starting. 
also, so Drew Shelton and Zion Tracy. Those are two names that I am so pumped to see. Zion in uh, the secondary, especially with, you know, everything floating around with Kalen King and Johnny Dixon. If he steps up and does like a number two role and just dominates, I'm going to be so happy. That's like, that's mm-hmm. going to be like a dream come true. And then, I mean, we've been we've been loving Drew Shelton ever since his first snap as a freshman. So if he can continue to dominate at that left tackle position, sky's the limit again for this offensive line. As we, you know, we've uh, Javen Williams, freshman, he's going to redshirt, so we're going to have him for another four years. Birchmeyer, he's going to redshirt. We're going to have him for another four years on the interior line. So it's like I'm loving it, loving everything I'm seeing so far from the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But any guys, underclassmen, that you're really interested to see that might get some more reps than normal in the Peach Bowl, not the Cotton Yeah, Bowl. I think I think on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, it's. I guess you still technically, I mean, they're underclassmen, but they played a lot of ball this season. But I think being able to see more of Cam Miller and deny Dennis Sutton, especially yeah. with Chop being out of the game. Deny. See, deny. Great call. See, Great call. Uh, what he'll be able to do in a starting role as he should be carrying that into next season as the full-time DN. Uh, yeah, that's a phenomenal call. I think uh, that'll be, I'm excited to see that. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I would love to see some more involvement we didn't get a lot of Amari Evans this year, and he was one guy that we noted in the beginning of the year uh, who had, I guess you could call a little bit of a breakout last season, um, especially while Drew Aller was in mm-hmm. in his spot uh, spot time. But I think to be able to see him put together some sort of game here to give him some more momentum going into next season would be huge. Like more and than the two catches. More than two catches, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, give me a little more than that. Yeah, and and a uh, five year, I, five reception, fifty yard game. I'd be happy with that. Give me something, please. Yeah. Uh, give me a go route. And then at the <laughs> uh, tight end, at the tight end spot, we mentioned Theo Johnson, who's leaving for the NFL, but will be playing this game. Tyler Warren, we didn't talk about, announced that he's coming back, which is huge. Uh, would love to love having Psycho T back, but to see some of those younger tight ends potentially get some time in this one. Don't know if there's going to be a, a cap on Theo Johnson's minutes or snaps. So that is yet to be seen, but would love to see a guy like Andrew Rappelier, true freshman yeah. tight end, uh, who got a lot of hype in, uh, in fall camp just due to his sheer mass and body size and being ready to be a big 10 tight end. Uh, hasn't played much at all. Uh, he's under that four game limit. So would love to see them kind of let him free and see if he, can be that number two tight end uh, a, going in next season behind Warren. Is it a game limit or a snap limit for mm-hmm. being able to register? Uh, it's a game limit. So basically once you register a snapping, it counts as game one for you. Okay. So for uh, true freshman, it's four games would constitute a uh, burn redshirt. Oh, sick. So we can play all yeah, of So he's games. well below that threshold. Probably a 6'4", 253. Absolute beast. Mm-hmm. So, let's get into it. Let's head to Atlanta, where Penn State will be playing the Old Miss. Are they still the Rebels? Old Miss Rebels. 
That's kind of got to change that. That was the name of the army that we kicked the shit out of. Come on, <laughs> the fuck out of here. Union <laughs> one, by the way. <laughs> they don't believe that down there, so boy. We'll be, we'll be playing those <laughs> old rebels Saturday, December thirtieth at noon Eastern. Like I said, we are in the belly of the beast of the greatest football stretch of all time, and this will continue at this. Day is going to be awesome. We got this game at noon, and then at four thirty is the Georgia uh, Florida State game, which I think both those games are two of the most important bowl games besides Final Four mm-hmm. out there. Because it's like if Florida State can beat Georgia, everything's turned on its head. Yeah, it's like well. You should have put them in there at number four, mm-hmm. especially if Michigan like trounces Alabama and John mm-hmm. like kind of fades back into what he was. But enough of that. Let's focus on Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Who on the old miss? So I mean, it's been a tales all this time. Old miss since Lane Kiffin's got there. Offense off. The charts defense, mm-hmm. not so much. Sort they're getting a little better. I looked at their mm-hmm. like yardage per game over since like Kevin's been there. He's been recruiting well, getting some secondary players, getting some defensive linemen, but still, I think they don't have. I mean, obviously, we have a historic Pensa defense this year, but. I don't think they have the talent to match up with our defense. But Dave, who on that team is giving you a little shiver down your spine that might be like, ah, this guy could could potentially break this game open and expose us. Well, I think on offense, it starts with their quarterback, Jackson Dart, uh, junior quarterback transfer. Junior? Junior. Yeah, ever I since uh, COVID, it seems like guys just have un- unlimited eligibility. Yeah, like, dude, I feel like I've heard his name at Ole Miss and Matt Corral, yeah. the last quarterback. <laughs> I think he's been there for six years. It sure as hell seems like it. Uh, <laughs> I think Jackson was actually backing up Eli back in the day. But uh, <laughs> but it all uh, it all starts with Jackson Dart. So whether he's been there for eight years or two years, uh, we don't know. Thousand, uh, who knows? He, it could be a little bit uh, at some point, he transferred over from USC, and mm-hmm. uh, he's done he's done really well on Lane's system uh, this season. Not numbers that are pop off the charts, but a productive season. Uh, just shy of 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, only five picks on over 300 pass attempts. That's, uh, so that's good. He, that's good. He's made some bonehead decisions in some key games, noteworthy being that Alabama game when that game was close in the third quarter. Oh. Uh, he had a pretty bonehead deep ball that he tried to force uh, that ended up being intercepted and was a critical point in that game. But nonetheless, he's a, he's a guy that can run uh, not a ton, but he's a formidable threat uh, with his legs, 111 carries, just shy of 400 yards, seven rushing tutties on the year. Uh, and he likes yeah, to throw man, the ball that's, deep. That's nothing to scoff at, dude. That's that's legit dual, dual threat. You got you to gotta be aware of him on like third and shorts. Third and fours. 
because he can yeah, yeah especially his yards especially because he's one of those QBs that's weirdly more accurate while he's moving uh less than less so more less than when he's in the pocket yeah. uh so he averaged uh just shy of 15 yards or a little over 14 yards per completion so while he's moving he does like to keep his eyes downfield and hmm. and he's got that gunslinger mentality where the interception number on the year doesn't show it with only five picks on the air, but he, he is prone to making that like a, not to reuse the word, but bone, make those bonehead decisions. But uh, if he gets moving and gets in a rhythm, uh, he can definitely become pretty, pretty dangerous. So definitely got to keep him in check and uh, get some pressure on him early. That's yeah. That's one thing I was going to say with him rolling out of the pocket. I'm blanking on if it was Michigan or Ohio state, but, we did not stay home at all. Like it was, mm-hmm. you saw Chop or Adisa or DDS just crashing. And then the quarterback just rolling out wide open, so much grass in front of him, just being able to set his feet, complete a pass. That cannot happen against Jack. Yeah. Have to maintain the edge, have to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- for me, I was going to say Cedric Johnson. That uh, defensive end linebacker and his pass rush ability, just because you know we don't really know who's going to start at left tackle, and right tackle's kind of been up in the air this season. Mm-hmm. So with him opting out, um, again I'm sick on the offensive side. It's going to be Quinshawn Junkins, aka what's the name from that World of War? Leroy Jenkins. (laughs) That video is so good. So, again, this kid's only a sophomore. Mm -hmm. Just like Singleton and Katron, he's had back-to-back, well, Katron's about to, but back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons this year had over 1,000 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns on the ground. Not only that, he's a dynamic pass catcher, 21 catches on the season, which is good for fourth on the team for 135 yards and another touchdown. So I think, again, due to Lane Kiffin's nature of having just an absolutely baller offense, I think Jackson Dart and uh, Leroy Jenkins <laughs> are the the two guys that we really have to worry about. Uh, Quinchon, Juckins, obviously, just gashing us through the middle with his size, power, speed. I mean, he's pretty much on, I would say, on the same level, maybe above Singleton and Katron Allen. But, you, yeah. Like you said, we also have to watch out for Jackson Dart, his throwing ability and his rushing ability. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really, I'm not too worried about their defense. Um, in fact, that's my mismatch: Drew Aller versus that old Miss secondary. They're allowing over 227 yards through the air this season, which is 60th in all mm-hmm. college football, and was a couple weeks ago, but we saw the full ability of Drew Aller and this offense the last time we saw Penn State play against Michigan State. 
with um Juwan Sider and Ty Howell calling those plays together, you know, going two and zero against Rutgers and Michigan State. I think the Michigan State game was the real statement game that mm-hmm. showed that you know they know what they're doing. They can put this kid in a good position to launch it deep downfield, get a good ground game going. Yeah. So pump for that. And then lastly, um, Penn State has to has to take old Miss turnovers and turn them into touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. Because we know this offense, support Tom saying it, is a powerhouse. It's going to put up numbers. So when we get turnovers, which we're going to, we're the number one in the nation, plus 1.5, I believe, plus 1.6 turnover margin. Mm-hmm. We're going to get our turnovers. Those have to lead to six points. Have to. We cannot get stalled in the 15-yard line and up and settle for a field goal against this team. That's not going to win us the Beach Bowl. Mm-hmm. So those are my – that's kind of my formula of success. Keep them um, behind the sticks, mm-hmm. turnovers, capitalize t- on, with touchdowns, and then – have Drew Allard, you know, just pick apart that secondary that I believe is not very good. Yeah, I think it's definitely a defense that if they have the right play calls, the right script, and the players are executing, it should be one that they should be able to move the ball uh, pretty frequently down the field against. Uh, for me, I think it really, it's going to sound obvious, but I think it's the old Penn State defense versus Ole Miss Old Ole Miss offense matchup here where, like we mentioned, Penn State, the number one overall ranked uh, total defense in the FBS with just just under 234 yards allowed per game was just a historic defense that Manny led this season. That's insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, against the Ole Miss offense that averaged just shy of 35 points per game and was able to put up 455 yards per game. So I think the the best recipe here is to have that defense come out and keep that offense off the field. So I think for me on the offensive side of the ball, I think, you're, I think you're dead on the secondaries, uh, a weak point with Ole Miss. So I would love to see – I know we've been – shouting from the rooftops all season long, but get the damn tight ends involved early and yeah. often. Yes. Uh, keep the chains moving. I think if they win the time of possession battle in this one, uh, that'll bode well for their circumstances. And I think uh, I think that defense should be able to wreak havoc and uh, really make a name for themselves and for the Big Ten against the SEC here. And, and lastly, this is a, a matchup of two very eerily similar head coaches in regards to the situations that struggled mightily against the upper echelon of their conference with Ole Miss getting blown out by Bama and Georgia, mm-hmm. us obviously to Ohio state and Michigan, but it's an interesting one because in at Ole Miss, uh, those fans are ecstatic with the 10 and two season, given the track record of that program over the last 30 or so years, Lane has really rejuvenated that program. And, you know, I think, Twice in his last four seasons, they've gone uh, at least six wins in the conference versus Penn State. Like, where I could get into this is bullshit. Exactly. Here, <laughs> goddamn it. 
So, so whereas Penn State, where obviously players are playing for a lot more, you know, they're playing for each other and it, it would be a big win. But I think from a fan's perspective, I think it's, it's very fair to say that this is a, a lost season, given that they didn't win one of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you find you're in a spot similar to last year where you're looking for a big time win. Uh, to springboard you into next SEC year. Win too. SEC win, too. I mean, Franklin, we know the struggles with Ohio that, that State. Goes a long way. We know his struggles with Ohio State, Michigan, and overall just top 10, top 15 opponents. But he's he's also uh, not won against the SEC in his last three tries with losses to Georgia, Kentucky, and then Arkansas in that Outback Bowl. Uh, so it's an opportunity for him to get a marquee win um, and really launch this Auburn? team into next year. You beat Auburn, right? Or was that? Uh, sorry, I'm talking just from a bowl game perspective. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. yeah. That is that. It seems like we not dominate, but we like handle ourselves against it, the SEC during the regular season, and then mm-hmm. bowl, the bowls come around. It's like you can clearly see the difference between talent. Yeah. Very, I don't know if that's a coaching preparation thing or what's going on there. Um, I believe the line I saw was I don't have it up, it was three and a half last time I saw it. Yeah, it's been hovering between three and a half and four and a half. And the over under is uh, let me check. I think it was 55, whatever it is, take the over, yeah. I'm hammering. I mean, I'm in Florida, so I can't bet. Which, by the way, weirdest thing ever that Florida doesn't have online gambling. Mm -hmm. Like, the average age here is, like, 60. (laughs) You'd think they would be one of the first states to be like, yeah, online gambling. Yeah. (laughs) All the geezers up in in their condos just... You know, playing the slots. You would think. It's one of the last states to allow online gambling. Maybe they're trying to help the ge- save the geezers. It'll be a race between uh, Florida and Texas for who's last. Yeah. But Florida's, I mean, I, I, I honestly think they're trying to protect the, the grandparents. They're like, we're not yeah. going to legalize because you're going to lose all your money. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to stay in your house all day and just gamble. <laughs> Um, but yeah, take the over. That's my gambling advice, but you shouldn't take mine because Dave Barron, what a gambling year for him. He went 65% betting in the Big Ten. 62 out of three games he won. Insane. And I don't have the trophy, obviously, down here in Florida. Put the picture up, but that wonderful dumbbell trophy, I will sharpie it with my two wins. I'll sharpie Dave's 2023 victory, and that thing's off the Texas way. Greatest trophy I've ever won. <sighs> I'm gonna be, dude, I'm gonna be so jealous seeing that sit in the background of your fucking <laughs> nah. Grab it. <laughs> um, we will do one more episode of Whiteout Weekly as we put our WOW awards up on Twitter and Instagram. 
We're going to recap the Peach Bowl, not the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl. And we're also going to give out some individual awards that we kind of have been working on all year. But that will do it for our 2024. No, no, no. It's going to happen in 2023. 2023 Peach Bowl preview. And I can't say it again. Thank you guys so much for another amazing year. We never expected this kind of growth with social media, the podcast, just YouTube, everything. It's been absolutely amazing. And we're not going to stop. We're going to keep doing this, like I say, always until the wheels fall off. Matt Martellucci, once again. Signing off from White Out Weekly. Happy New Year, folks. Go Lions. And a Merry Christmas Talk. <laughs>